the kind of thing that you see done when people are restoring art is extremely inspiring to me when it comes to repairing and strengthening relationships. The love it takes to mend a piece of art because it is so beautiful and so worth mending is extraordinary, extraordinary. There's so much history, there's so much shared experience. There is something even more beautiful that comes out of a restored painting. I can say to you as a 25 year, you know, married for 25 years, gone through this abuse cycle, the intimacy, the joy, the hot damn sex, (laughs) the amazing, like it's really going through it has incredible rewards. This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 383 with guest Andrea J. Lee. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So after nearly 400 episodes and almost eight years of the podcast, it's getting a new name. I'm not leaving. Are you kidding? Do you think that I would retire my microphone? There's no way. A, I love to talk too much. And B, I love to connect with amazing experts. And C, I love all of you way too much to walk away from this podcast. So new name coming tomorrow. If you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, which I know a few of you do. April 15th is my birthday. It's a Thursday. We're dropping a bonus episode. So when you see that episode, uh, I guess it's episode 384, it will have the new name. It has new art, new intro music, which I can't wait for you to listen to. That was fun, sifting through so much stock music to pick. And there was this one particular song that I could not stop dancing to. I was like, well, this is it. I guess this has to be the one. And a new intro. I'm just really, really excited. It's it's just, it's something fresh. It's something new. I'll talk about more of the reason why and, and what you can expect in that bonus episode that's coming out on April 15th. But we do have a guest for you today. I am pumped to have you listen to this conversation. One quick other announcement it's really not that dramatic, even though I kind of made it sound dramatic. Uh, just to, wanted to invite you to come and hang out with me on Instagram. I have a new Instagram name and so many great changes happening over here for so many people in 2021. I'm at Hey Andrea Owen on Instagram and I'm having some fun with reels. I am giving book recommendations and some quick tips and tools and strategies to live your best life as we all want to do. And in my stories, you'll still see some quick videos of my dog, Giselle, who is napping peacefully right now. <laughs> She's a sen- my senior dog, as well as like some behind the scenes of making the podcast and writing books. I'm going to be doing more of those for you because that's always just like fun and exciting to get a little peek behind the curtain. So hey, Andrea Owen over on Instagram. All right, let's move into this fantastic interview with my friend, Andrea Lee. For those of you that don't know her, let me tell you a little bit about her. 
Andrea J. Lee is a futurist with her finger on the pulse of the human spirit and how it can change the world. Throughout her life, Andrea has done one thing, help the people she cares about achieve what they think is completely impossible. Not once, but twice, she helped reinvent the coaching profession and knows one thing for sure. Humanity is essentially good and astoundingly powerful. Andrea is a trusted source of coaching innovation and a force for change in the field of emotional abuse and interpersonal violence. Her business was once named an extraordinary bull market company by Seth Godin and Fast Company Magazine, and her clients often like to call her names, things like Morpheus, the Jay-Z of coaching, and the Hello Kitty coach. So without further ado, here is Andrea. Andrea J. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Did you like how I said your full name? <laughs> yeah, I sat up straighter. Sat up oh, it's so profesh. And to differentiate you, you know, because we do have to share the same first name and same pronunciation. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show. And and I was I was looking at your website before we jumped on together, and I'm like, how many books have you written? And I didn't know this, but your, I think it was your first book, Multiple Streams of Coaching Income, was actually published in 2003. And that was my introduction to you. Oh my gosh. That was a long time For ago. Real? 15 <gasps> years. We're totally dating ourselves. Oh my you, gosh. You have a book that is a legal adult. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what we say about it. Yeah. Um, you were like one of the, you know, you were kind of the, one of the OGs of the coaching industry. And I know you've sort of branched out and done a lot of different things now that we're in this, you know, new era, but I'm super excited to have you. You know what? It, you can't go back in time and get to know new people. Does that make any sense? So it's fantastic to be here with another Andrea. We have like 18 years of shared history. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's go deep. Let's, let's go. <laughs> well, and I, I have, you know, you and I, we just kind of formally met a few weeks ago and you're, mm-hmm. you know, contributing to my new book that's coming out, which thank you again for that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm enjoying getting to know you a little bit more. And, and one of the things, the first thing I want to ask you is, is this is from your bio. And I was like, I need to ask about this. It's the first sentence of your bio. It says, Andrea Lee is a futurist with her finger on the pulse of the human spirit and how it can change the world. I was like, I don't know what that means, but I want to know more. So please, like what, what, how do you describe that? Say more about that. Okay. So are you a Star Trek fan? That's No, maybe that's why it makes me so curious. Okay. No. Harry Potter. Yes. But Star Trek. No. Well, Harry Potter works also. It's like. So in Star Trek, very briefly, there's a character called Counselor Troy. And for our Trekkers out there, that that will be very familiar. She's the character, like kind of like Hermione in Harry Potter, who's just like, you know, feels a lot, picks up stuff between the lines. Is that, I'm not going to say psychic. That's not a word that I relate to, although that's cool. I'm just a uh, kind of a deep feeling kind of person, if I could put it that way. And um, because of that, I often feel like I'm listening between the lines and I can sense when something is happening, let's say within the coaching profession, I can sense that right now there's like a return to roots and stuff like that. Um, So that's what I mean. Finger on the pulse. Um, You know, I kind of feel like the heartbeat of things is something that I'm tuned into quite a bit. 
That's so interesting. Okay. And then it goes on to, to say, and I can't remember if this is in your bio or somewhere else on, on your site. And this made me also super curious. So you say, I'm a Canadian born Taiwanese cisgender woman who has been brought up with white privilege inside the model minority myth. So can you say more about that? Super intriguing. Yeah, well, you know, I am Asian, so I look Asian, but I was born in Canada and brought up like speaking only English, you know, at school, but go to Chinese school on Saturday. So I'm this person who looks Asian on the outside and I'm Taiwanese, but a lot of my education and who I am, my makeup, like the values that I have very much um, of Canadian culture, of white culture. Um, and so it's kind of like, I, there's this word, it's a big, it's a big, big ass word. It's, it's like hegemony. I mm-hmm. don't even know if I'm saying it right. But it's like, like you see through these eyes of the system that you're in. Yeah. And because I grew up in, a, you know, um, like a Catholic boarding school, and I was one of like only three Asians in my whole class, that that I surprise myself sometimes, Andrea, honestly, I realize like I'm behaving very white. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not bad per se. It's just a little surprising when my own mother looks at me. It's like, you know, I guess you are married to a white guy. So I'll let that one pass. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a culture shock that uh-huh. way. A culture shock for, for you? A culture shock for me, a culture shock for the Asian people in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know my family. Okay. Interesting. Thanks for, thanks for explaining that more. And I (laughs) I just always get so curious about, I just, I also feel like for anyone listening, who's ever written a bio, I feel like those are some of the hardest things to ever write. And of course you have your professional credentials, which for many women can be a struggle, you know, sort of bragging about yourself, but then also kind of trying to infuse who you are as a human into it. And when people write interesting things like that, I always get really curious and like, tell me more about that. It's, it's such a, I feel like it's such an intimate peek into your life in just one sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're also making re- me realize I have a couple of really long sentences in my bio. I need to go back and put it. <laughs> Critiquing run on sentences. Well, what about, um, okay. I want to sort of jump, jump over to, to this new-ish topic that, and you please tell me like when you started writing about this and we have a mutual friend, Samantha Bennett, she's been on the show a couple of times and she sent me the link to it. And she's like, check out Andrea's uh, blog about her work that she's doing. It's called Stop Being Abusive. And I was like, wait, what? And I thought, my immediate thought when I saw it was like, oh, you were in an abusive relationship and now you're healing from it. But it was not the case. So can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, The full name of the blog, so Stop Being Abusive is, you know, the short name, but really the premise behind it is that you can stop or maybe even better, we can Mm -hmm. stop being abusive. And I started writing that my first sort of public outing (laughs) with this topic was in 2018. So three years ago now in the Washington Post, where they very kindly, Lisa Bonas very kindly took a big risk and published this article, I verbally abused my husband. Here's how I stopped. And that thing took off. Like, mm, it was it was really sweet the way Mm -hmm. it took off. You know, the Washington Post article went viral. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what's viral. I, I guess yes, ish, viral ish, but lots and lots of, um, you know, hundreds of comments and, um, there's a video that goes with it that was up on Upworthy that was millions of views within a couple of weeks. So ish, viral-ish. It is a a topic that I think concerns all of us. So before any of our listeners today are thinking, well, this is not not for me. You know, I like to say, especially now, given American politics, that, you know, the violence that we see on TV, you know, that the violence we saw on the news, all all this Mm -hmm. violence, that starts at home. Mm-hmm. Every single person who we see on TV behaving violently grew up in a home that somehow added, contributed, or did not support something different. Mm-hmm. But this thing about being emotionally abusive and verbally abusive or psychologically abusive concerns all of us. My particular story is that I grew up in a verbally and psychologically abusive household. So I really I do have that experience of being a victim or survivor of abuse, but then I internalized it and it felt like I caught a taste of what power was like when I raised my voice Mm -hmm. Um, and in my marriage, which is now, you know, thank you to all the powers that be at 25 years and better than ever. um, I was really, really just an asshole to my, my, my husband for like a long time. Um, And that, that has turned around now, flipped into something really beautiful. And so that's what I write about is how do you, not become the thing that you suffered? Mm-hmm. How do you fight uh, racism, genderism, ableism, all the things, classism, elitism, um, and not become an oppressor yourself? How do you not propagate the cycle, yeah. perpetuate the cycle of abuse? Or if you violence? are, how do you turn things around? You got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely going to send people over there and the link will be in the show notes, but can you, can you give us a sneak peek in where I'm really curious is how did you kind of come to admit and realize, cause I've, I've been in that situation before and this is a, a much smaller scale, but like if I've been in an argument with somebody and I realize that I'm wrong you know, and that they have like a really excellent point. And I'm like, oh, there's kind of that sinking feeling of, okay, I have two choices at this in this moment. I can either keep arguing my point, which I know is wrong just for, you know, to save face, or I can back, you know, say, I'm sorry and say, actually, you're right. I apologize. Like, so when that crossroads for you, like, was your husband telling you, was it a therapist that was telling you? Did you realize that on your own? What did that look like? It definitely was in relationship. Like it was, it was the reflection that my husband was giving me of my behavior being unacceptable. So whether, you know, you're working in a job and you are supervising someone and somebody you, who's on your team, you know, gives you that look like, you know, what, what the fuck did you just say to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yep. Shocked um, face. Yeah. Right. Or you are a person who's working for somebody and they are, treating you poorly and you're making that face. I think it's all in the reflections. For me, I, I'll put it very, I'll put it very delicately, but very pointedly. I could tell that there was fear in my husband about my about me. Mm-hmm. Like it's like an analogy that I use in one of the posts at the blog is 
has to do with the fighting dog rings that are so sad and we hear about them, you know, these dogs that get abused to make them fight for money in these fighting rings. And this is a perfect analogy. When an animal, let's say in this case, a dog flinches when you stand up, Mm -hmm. that's when you know that that dog is abused. Yeah. And that's similar. Humans are not that different. If you have circumstances around you where, you know, your child flinches because they think you're going to raise your voice at them again, which by the way, is so normal. hundred percent of parents do this, Mm -hmm. right? That's your signal that you could probably back down or you could say something different, but to the point that you were making around that, that moment of that sinking feeling, I think that, I think that really easy thing to, to do and try to embrace is just own from the beginning that, X is true about you or us. In this case, I'll say me. I needed to get to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm being abusive to the, my husband. I, that, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I'm, that's what's happening. It's the default. It's not the thing that I have to take a deep breath and go, oh my God, I can't believe I have to admit this, but I, I think I might be. And it's like, no, yeah. It, similar to within the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, one of the great, great teachings that has come out of that is just to say, we are all racist. Mm-hmm. Just it, we're racist. Yeah. So if I say blah 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 and I use a bad word or a phrase like uh, "sold them down the river," which is a very terrible racist phrase, apparently I learned. Um, now, if I accidentally say that because it's habit and I'm still working on it, I say, "Oh, totally racist phrase." Let me back up, say that differently, mm-hmm. and that's just normal to do that. Yes, I'm, I thank you for for sharing all of that, and it's gosh, what a different world we would live in if more people were more were more um, paying attention a little bit more to the people that they're in close relationship with who are, you know, like giving those reflections back to, you know, and, and just, I, I just, I think we would live in a totally different world. But was there ever a moment where you decided, because I remember when I first got sober and it was one of those things where I thought to myself, well, shit, I have this big thing that's a part of my life and I know that I can help people by talking about it, but I really don't want to because, <laughs> you know, this was in 2011 and I was, I was still, you know, a fairly new-ish life coach and, and feeling like, what are people going to think? Did you ever have that moment or were you far enough along in your work where you were like, nope, I have no doubts about this. I'm going to talk about it publicly. Oh, hell no. I was not that in Okay. Not okay. <laughs> No, 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 no. (laughs) I had serious misgivings. Um, Because this is something you could have just kept in your marriage and kept it private. Totally. What made you feel like you needed to go public with it? It's probably a combination of things, but what's coming to me to share in this moment is that, you know, it was going to be work to keep it a secret. Really? Say more about that. Like, you know, like... Okay, so let's say I'm out and I'm socializing with girlfriends and someone talks about the fact that they're being abused in their marriage. Uh-huh. Or a girlfriend talks about how they yelled at their kid and they feel really bad. It was going to be work for me to not say anything in those moments. To share your experience, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. Yeah. 
And just kind of like be a bystander and kind of be like, well, I'm not going to say anything because if I sound like I'm too smart about it, I'm going to out myself and I don't want to out my, I I just, I, for me, a definition of a kick-ass life is a life where I can be no holds barred, all of me, not checking and, you know, like censoring and wondering what am I giving away about myself that I am somehow hiding. That's work that I don't want to do. No, I, I agree with you. I, I would be that person too, that would, that would go publicly for it. I just, I don't think it's for everyone. So I don't want people listening to think like, <laughs> if you have these very vulnerable moments in your life, you have to start a blog about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Thank you for making that distinction. I, I love that. And I, 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 I want to join you in yeah. saying like, oh, <laughs> I'm not saying you should start a blog or write to the Washington Post, but how about transparency within the relationship? Like if you have something going on, you could say, you know, I know that I yelled at you and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of it as wrong as well. I see that it's hurting you. Um, I want it to, to be something we can talk about. I'm really sorry. Yeah. yeah. That conversation has taken, it, it took me two marriages to get through. Not that I'm on my third, I'm on my only on my second, but I know that to, to get to that place where you can admit your wrongs and then ask for forgiveness and apologize appropriately and, and then do the work to right your wrongs, that is an incredibly vulnerable place to be because mm-hmm. for some people listening, and I just want to acknowledge this, they fear doing that because that has been held against them at certain mm-hmm. times. And I know, I know the amount of courage that it takes to actually, I remember the very first time I very vulnerably apologized wholeheartedly to my husband and like admitted that I was wrong. The look on his face was just like, it was like, I don't know if he'd ever, never heard that before or anything, but I was like, okay, this is, this has the, this has the opportunity. This is the opportunity to completely transform my marriage. Yes. And it has, it has not been easy, but I, I know how. I would rather be super vulnerable about my own like addictions and alcoholism on my blog to a bunch of strangers than admit to someone I truly care about that I have completely fucked up and I need to make it right. Like it's different vulnerability. Totally. It's It's more more vulnerable, Mm -hmm. more vulnerable vulnerability. Yeah. The thing I think that's key in that, Andrea, which I love, and if you're willing, I mean, I'd be very curious to not to turn the tables on you, but maybe a little, that when you're vulnerable in an intimate setting and it's been held against them, like I'm I'm curious about that and what the roots of that are, because that that's where the gold is in that scenario, in my opinion. Like if we can get to the 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 conversation around why it's scary. What is the fear around vulnerability being held against us? Then we can find a way to do it anyway and protect, you know, get what we need, protect ourselves, blah, blah, et cetera. So apologize, be wrong, and, you know, be able to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I want both. That's what right. I want. Yes. Ideally that that's fantastic to have both. And when, in, when the outcome is that way, I think it's a very beautiful outcome in my experience, both in my experience, in my personal experience and professionally, just in what I've been trained to do is that vulnerability is held against someone when the person, you know, we'll call them the oppressor uh, is it, 
is shaming them is and it typically happens when they have grown up with the model that we don't do vulnerability, that vulnerability is weakness. And that I need some kind of, for lack of a better word, ammunition to have against this person so that I can't get hurt. And so what happens when the oppressor sees that like vulnerability and is like a predator in that moment mm-hmm. is like, like going to jump in on that? Like what, like, is it's used against you and it's, you know, like hard words and, you know, violence and, you know, stuff like that can happen. I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, I think this is definitely something if people are experiencing this to work through it with a therapist, mm-hmm. but off the top of my head, my advice to that would be to as kindly as possible, call it out in the moment and just, and say, you know, this is, this is an example of you know, this is a trust problem and I want to have a better relationship with you. I care about us, you know, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship and this kind of behavior, throwing it back at me and holding it against me and and essentially shaming me for it is moving us farther away from each other and not closer. And I would like to be closer. Oh, I love that so much. Can we like cut that out and frame that piece? That would be really hard for me to do in the heated moment. Normally I would throw shit back (laughs) and then have to circle back later and say those nice words when I've calmed down. (laughs) Right. Well, see, this is, and see, that's perfectly, I think you've just described every North American's experience is that, (laughs) you know, like when you get poked, you get backed into a corner. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. And so this becomes a, a conversation around who's going to blink and how to blink safely for yourself, right? Like there are definitely situations where you should not be being vulnerable. If you know that the person is going to hurt you because mm-hmm. of it, don't, don't be vulnerable in that moment. It, it's only when you feel like you can, you can find a way to do it. Like, you know, a 1% vulnerability, test the waters, see Baby what steps. Mm-hmm. Have, right. Have the conversation, frankly, about, you know, I was listening to a podcast, which was really an awesome podcast with two Andreas about <laughs> vulnerability. And I was thinking that, you know, maybe that would be a way to try and have an even better relationship. So I'm going to try and be a little bit more vulnerable and uh-huh. I, I need your help to feel like that is going to be okay and safe and not used against me. Would you be open to that? That's a good entry point. Also, uh, the Netflix special, Brene Brown's, I think it's called A Call to Courage, mm-hmm. is really great for, for people who, you know, I'm imagining people listening to this who might have partners who are, are new to this work and suggest that for a Netflix night. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great introduction to the topic and then maybe have a conversation about it afterwards. Uh, and in my experience to... And I I imagine there's a decent amount of people listening who have been in a relationship where they have been verbally or emotionally abused or psychologically abused. I, I have. And it was actually, what was interesting is that I didn't grow up in a house like that. And I got into this relationship when I was 17 and we were together for, for over a decade. And then when I got out, it wasn't until probably several years later where I realized Oh, that wasn't okay. I had, because the process happened over time that I, essentially I was groomed and I didn't know that until a long, long way either. Cause it's sort of like the frog in the water, you know, and just, you don't know yeah. it's heating up. And it's, it's interesting that when I got into a new relationship, I was trying to repeat 
the old patterns and my now husband was like, I don't, I don't do this. So um, we need to figure out another way. You know, not that he's perfect at communicating. We, we've had to work through a lot of stuff, but my whole point is that I think that you can use that as a gift and believe me, it's taken me a long ass time <laughs> to be able to, to say that. But now I know exactly what I don't, what I will and will not tolerate as far as communication, mm -hmm. as far as manipulation, as far as intimidation, immediately. No, no, I can spot it so fast now. And, um, and also I am, I am not the same person that I used to be. And so all that to say, which I think is the whole point of you writing about this and speaking about this is that people can change. There's hope a hundred percent people can change. Yeah. You just like preach it. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think that sometimes in this like kind of very self-helpy world, we can get discouraged, you know, that it's like, ugh, I'm trying to change and can't. The main thing that I would love to say, Andrea, just in this little moment is that if we're not willing to feel the pain of the things that we're going through, we're not going to sustainably change. Mm -hmm. Say that again. So if we're not willing to fully experience the pain of what we are going through, whether we are being abused or we are being abusive, if we can't sit in that intensity, the acidity, the pain, mm -hmm. um, we're not going to get that change done. So to the degree that we can take those deep breaths, Right, right now, right now, listening to this, right now, you and I, like, remember that we have toes, be in our body, mm -hmm, <laughs> wiggle, mm -hmm. wiggle those toes, remember that we're, we have an animal body, and kind of take it, take it out. It's like, you know what, what I said that time, ouch, yeah. like, ouch, and I, I promise that that getting with that ouch is what fuels and nourishes real change that you really, really can change. <laughs> yeah. Yes to all of that. And I just want to tack on one more thing around this topic mm -hmm. is um, very recently, well, I think it was last fall, I had a guest on my show, uh, Britt Frank. And if anybody missed that episode, I, I definitely encourage you to go listen to it. And, and she talks about being in relationships with narcissists and how, you know, what does that really mean? What does it look like? It's kind of a word that gets thrown around. And she um, either, she, it was on her website or she had talked about it on the show. I can't remember, but she talked about reactive abuse. So one of the reasons I poo-pooed that my ex-husband was an abuser was because I did it back to him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what reactive abuse was. It was it, when what it is, just kind of the, the Cliffs and Notes version is that it's when you are pushed and pushed and pushed to the brink of, I can't take it anymore. You get backed into a corner and then you lash out and you are not your best self. You might name call or, or strike out physically. I did that a few times. Um, and so I kind of felt like, well, how can I call him that when I was doing it back to him. And so learning about reactive abuse was extremely helpful to see everything for what it was and also to be able to forgive myself and have compassion mm -hmm. for where I was at. And that I was just trying to survive and get my needs met and, you know, try to make this relationship work. And so um, I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody listening who's, who's really interested in this topic. 
I so love that. That that is such a helpful thing to insert in this moment. And I mean, the thing that I would say, just zooming out, because this is like a very important kind of principle of the writing at my blog, is that most, I would say, except for like real personality disorders, perpetrators of abuse are reactive. And so somewhere this cycle started. Right. Mm -hmm. We talk about ancestral lines. We talk about lineages. And so that compassion that you found for yourself, which I'm so glad you did and is so beautiful to hear, similar to my story, where it was just like, well, how do I swallow this about myself? Reactive abuse, totally. And when we look at people who we think of as perpetrators, even people across the political divide, you know, people who we think are doing bad things, that is reactive in some way. And so hopefully that gives um, even more of it like a big picture bridge to understand people who are behaving differently from us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for pointing that out. And it's such a, it's such a big topic and and I appreciate your, your transparency on it. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. You've heard many of the guests here on the podcast who are licensed therapists, and you know I encourage everyone to go to therapy. I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Their licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and their service is available for clients worldwide. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash kickass. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash kickass. One thing I've been focusing on a lot over the last couple of years is how to unload some of the mental labor it takes just to be an adult. Deciding on meals, making a shopping list, doing the shopping, preparing the food, and then cooking are several things I needed help with. So my husband Jason and I turned to Green Chef. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped. Because of that, that's one of the many reasons I love Green Chef, because it's so easy to have my kids help us cook these meals. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. So you can not only feel great about what you're eating, but also how it got to your table. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company, includes recipes that are paleo, keto, and plant-powered diets. They are the number one meal kit for eating well. Go to greenchef.com slash 90kickass and use code 90kickass to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 90kickass and use code 90kickass to get $90 off and free shipping. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. 
And I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit because there was mm-hmm. there was something that something else that jumped out on on your website, and and I'm going to quote you, and you say you say it's possible to be fierce, outraged, bold, and go for your goals while also being kind. So can you talk more on that? Like, what are some ways to do this when people are seeing injustices happening that probably anger them and hurt them? Hmm. So it's interesting. I think the way that I'd like to talk about this in a certain direction. So I would love it if I could just, I'll give the definition of trauma that is used a lot in psychotherapy and um, psychological circles. And that is that trauma is too much, too soon, too fast. I like that short and sweet definition. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, like, so let's take, let's say somebody near and dear to you passes away. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It happened quickly and it, it's happening amongst a busy life already. So that might register then on the trauma scale. It's like uh, too much, too soon and too fast. COVID so, is an example of that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yes. So it's really helpful to have that definition because then you can walk around in your life and kind of go, whoa, pump the brakes too much, too soon, too fast, chill, just like slow it down. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that we can protect ourselves from re-traumatizing ourselves or creating new traumas for ourselves. And the reason I bring this up um, in answer to this particular question is like, if we can find ways to understand that slowing things down, doing less is going to prevent us from lashing out, is going to prevent us, other people from behaving badly. Like that, that's like all you need. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I like simple, like if we can hang on to just one thing, be watchful for when things are feeling too much, too soon, too fast. And a lot, a lot will change. Yes. I wish I would have heard that advice. I'm not sure if I would have taken it though, when I was first starting my (laughs) business and I had two babies and I had just gotten sober. (laughs) It was too much, too soon, too fast. (laughs) Yeah. So so the reason I say that in answer to your question about the yes and, um, you know, you can be, you know, angry and kind is that if you bear in mind that you know you can be angry but not too angry too fast too soon you can be angry at someone who was you know behaved in a bad way um but also be kind like say you know i would really like to talk with you about this issue it was hurtful to me um i think that you know there's opportunity to do better what's a good time and, you know, good space for you to have that conversation. So that's respecting that there is a good time. Mm -hmm. There is maybe a busy moment in their life where now would be a bad time to talk to them about this. And then when you do get to that place of talking to them in that good spot, then you can say, you know, it makes me really angry that this happened. I know that there must be reasons for it, but it was brutal what happened. And, um, I, I really need for you to know that. See how it can be. You could be like outraged. Yeah. But- <laughs> and still talk in a calm <laughs> voice. 
Yes. I want to, I want to add on to that if I may, in that, you know, I, I entered the the quote unquote coaching world with like zero tools. Like I had been to therapy, but I still wasn't totally and completely admitting that I had like my own flaws. I know that sounds incredibly arrogant, but it, it was more so like I was afraid to look at like my shadow side and and things like that. So I was really good at blaming and deflecting and dismissing. And it just, you know, I was just, I was just doing what I was taught, you know. <laughs> <laughs> as I walked into the work. And it was incredibly uncomfortable for me to have these hard conversations. Like when I went to training for life coaching, I didn't know that it was going to affect my personal life so much. Like I thought I was just going to get training and new tools. Like, like you go to beauty school, like do you cosmetology license? <laughs> like <that's, laughs> like it was just going to be like that, but a little bit different. Well, it wasn't, it was very, uh, it was very personal and dove into my personal life. So one of the things I think that was helpful for me to be able to receive like what you just said, and typically the people in our life, maybe not typically, but sometimes the people in our life are not going to say it as beautifully and as kind as you did. You know, when someone's pointing out something that we did that they don't like, when someone is is telling us something that that hurt them. One of the things that helped me be able to hear that is to understand that that person's first priority is not necessarily to make me wrong, to point out that I'm a bad person, because that's where I would go. I'm like, oh, this person thinks I'm a terrible human, and then I would beat myself up for it. That person's priority is our relationship. Mm-hmm. Most likely, that's why they're bringing it. Yes, you are going to get the occasional person who wants to bring something to you just to point out all your flaws. But I think for the most part, like if your partner or your best friend brings something to you, it's because they care about their relationship enough to try to give you the opportunity to clean it up and make your relationship better. Yeah. That shift in perspective changed a lot for me because I was like, oh, this isn't about, I mean, this is just about my behavior. It's not that I'm a terrible human being because I would fall into these shame spirals and then not be able to listen, let alone try to apologize and, and, and make things right. I was all caught up in like, oh my God, I'm a terrible human being, like paralyzed. And it's still very uncomfortable. Like I do not like hearing that I've been a bad wife <laughs> or that I've hurt my best friend, which I still do from time to time, like on accident. But I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot easier to get through it if I think to myself, wow, this person loves me enough that they're coming to me as kindly as possible so that we could have a better and closer relationship. I mean, just like drop the mic, I'll wrap it up. That that is so stinking gold and beautiful. Like it's like- It was hard to get to that place. (laughs) Oh, no. And it's a spectrum. It's not a yes, no, like flip the switch. You know, there's always a like more- growth, right? This human being human thing is so freaking weird, you know, to whatever degree that you can give yourself the safety to hear what you've just said is that's the progress that we're looking for is that you're not centering your needs. You're putting the relationship at the center of the conversation um, so that that relationship can get better. I, I, I could not love that more, honestly. Yeah, it's been, that has been like next level work for me. And I I do credit my best friend, her name's Amy Smith. And and she, she's helped me a lot in this. She sort of like guided the way I'll say that. And um, I still, you know, when she comes to me and says like, 
So there's this thing I, I need to get off my chest. And I'm like, I immediately feel that pit in my stomach where I'm like, oh no, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying I don't feel that. I don't go to this like magical place of like, oh my God, I can't wait to hear what I did so we can better our relationship. <laughs> like, no, I'm still like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble because it sucks. I would so much rather her say something to me so I can do my best to clean it up, to be a better friend instead of just ignoring it and not saying anything. And then she feels resentful. And then she might say something passive aggressive later, which is how I used to behave. You know, (laughs) let me just be passive aggressive about it and hope that they figure it out on their own. There's a saying that I love, like, if you can't talk about something that's bugging you, then you no longer have one problem. You have two. (laughs) I've never heard that. Okay. Like you have the original issue. Right. And then the problem of not about it. Yeah. Oh, that was my childhood. Like that was God bless my mom and dad, but yeah, that was how they grew up. So they didn't Everybody know. has it. It's it's yeah. a condition of being human. I think right. honestly, like if Martians were to come down and be like, this is part of the test of like as humans, are we gonna do like the good thing and stay with this stuff and get better because we know we can. That's mm-hmm. what we're all being called for. I, I mean, the analogy that comes to me is I don't it's sort of interesting. Like in the art world, you know, there's new art that's created every day. That's awesome. And then there's this specialty area. It's restoration art. And it kind of has a parallel to reparations and restorative justice. The the kind of thing that you see done when people are restoring art is extremely inspiring to me when it comes to repairing and strengthening relationships. The love it takes to mend a piece of art because it is so beautiful and so worth mending is extraordinary, extraordinary. There's so much history. There's so much shared experience. There is something even more beautiful that comes out of a restored painting. Um, kind of like, you know, the Japanese art of Kintsugoi, where mm-hmm. if, a, if a piece of pottery breaks, you fix it with gold. I can say to you as a 25 year, you know, married for 25 years, gone through this abuse cycle, uh, the intimacy, the like joy, the hot damn sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing, like it's really going through it has incredible awards. Yeah. Incredible rewards. Well, I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Unless there's, I always want to ask my guests, like, is there anything you want to circle back to or, or just say in order to feel complete in this conversation? Thank you. I love that. I think all I would say is just to, like the seed of an idea, you know, if you're going through something like this, whether it's on the abused side or on the abusiveness side, you know, every hour of greater peace every day, every single day you can go without being abusive. And you know, is one unit of peace that did not exist before and it is worth it. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably and and we'll put the link to the the blog in the show notes and your your other website is andreajaylee.com and I think that they can get to your your other blog from that site, correct? Yes. Okay. 
I just thank everyone for being here and for for listening. And remember, everyone, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody. 